Welcome to the Brighter Skies podcast with Gary Ware. This podcast is to inspire everyone to become the person they're meant to be, to take action and to realise life doesn't always go to plan. Gary will be speaking to successful entrepreneurs who will share the good, the bad and the ugly of building business and what to do to keep moving. Having left school with just two GCSEs, he achieved his aspiration to be a manager on the Red Arrows. Gary is all about assisting others to grow whilst he is now embarking on his next adventure. We will bring you inspiration with a dose of true insight and reality. Let's grow stronger together by learning from the journeys of the successful and knowing that there are always brighter skies ahead. Hi, welcome everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Brighter Skies podcast. Today I'm with Darren Burroughs. He's a property entrepreneur, a coach and a mentor. Been doing amazing things over the years. Thank you for being on my uh, podcast, Darren. Thanks very much. Cheers, guys. Thanks for the invite. No worries. Well, what I wanted to do is um, to bring you on because you've been doing amazing things in property. Uh, you offer a lot of value out there. Uh, but to get started so people can understand, um, I, w- I wondered if you'd like to share how you got started into property. Um, what, what were your motivations? Uh, and maybe talk about your biggest achievements. Yeah, sure. Um, so I started, I'll kind of go back to the beginning, I guess. I've not been in property for... Um, you know, for, for decades, like a lot of people, I started my first um, kind of venture into property was probably it was around 2007, 2008. So, you know, a, a little while ago. But prior to that, my background was really since I left school was um, starting, setting up and running uh, either startup businesses or SMEs. So I've always worked kind of on the if you like the full project life cycle, so from everywhere from sales to kind of, as I say, setting the companies up, um, running the kind of project side of it, the operational side of it, marketing. Um, and as I say, it's always been in relatively small firms, um, you know, sort of SME size up to sort of a dozen, 15 people. Um, and obviously I've been running teams, you know, within that predominantly kind of sales and sales and ops teams. Um, about 15 years ago, 16 years ago, um, I got... Um, I left the family business and got headhunted by a, a pal of mine uh, who had set up a, a kitchen company. So it was importing uh, kitchens over from Germany um, and, you know, just said, look, would you like to come on board, get, get involved? You know, we we're out on building sites all day long, you know, having a laugh, meet, you know, meeting builders. And he said, every day is different. It's just, you know, it's just, it's just a you know good, good way to earn a living. Um, so I thought about it for a little while and I thought, you know, and I fancied a change. So anyway, started working with with those guys um and i was kind of running my part of the business within the business um and again as i say full project life cycle from kind of picking the jobs up meeting clients through to delivering the actual projects and as i say everything was it was out on site uh, i love the environment um i'm I'm, you know, I'm not a tradesman by background but i just liked working in that kind of environment and at that kind of time, myself and the two guys that I was working with, we decided we were going to um, kind of pull our resources together and, and go into property. So we um, got involved. We found a, 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 we had a mate who was a, an estate agent at the time in the, in the area that we were looking at. 
and uh, we found a property and you know, bought it, refurbed it, uh, and it was we. The view was to uh, to to flip it straight away, but as we were coming towards the end of the process, it was when the crash happened, 2000, 2000, 2007, 2008. And although we wouldn't have lost any money, we wouldn't have earned anything. So we decided to keep it, um, rented it out for a fairly long space of time. And at the same time, kind of running alongside, um, I had gone out and got some JV funding um, from somebody else before I even knew that was a thing. Uh, and got another property, did exactly the same thing. Um, and it kind of just it just kind of snowballed from there. And as I say, we, I was kind of dabbling in property at that time. Didn't really know what I was doing. Um, just kind of winging it as, as a lot of people, I guess, kind of do before they before they get trained up. Um, and then in my professional life at that time, I went from the kitchen company. I then got headhunted to go and work for a, uh, a renewable energy company. They obviously knew the stuff I was doing, working with house builders and developers on the kitchens. Um, so wanted me for my kind of contacts and, and my sales stuff. Um, and that was kind of where it really, really took off. So you sort of asked about greatest achievement. I, one of my one of my greatest achievements, I think, is when I started working for that firm, I set, pretty much set it up from scratch. They were doing, they'd been through a few sales directors. Nobody had really kind of done anything with it. Um, I think they were doing about 250 grand um, a year turnover at the time when I started, which obviously is nothing. Um, and then year on year, I, I sort of doubled the turnover. So at the end of the first year, I'd been there, we was up to 500 grand. Second year was a mil. Third year was up to two mil. Um, and I was basically running all the solar projects for uh, for house builders. And then I had a small team of small team of sales guys who worked under me that did all the domestic stuff. So between between sort of four of us, by the time I left, we were probably doing about three and a half mil. Um, it was part of an M&E company as well. It was a sister company for a big um, M&E mechanical and um, electrical um, kind of installers and, and contracting company. Uh, the, uh, the, the the governor at the time then decided he wanted to amalgamate everything, merge it all into one, and that's when it all kind of you know, things started just getting a little bit out of control and I decided I was going to move on from that. Um, left and myself and a guy that we used to work with set up an LED lighting and controls company because a lot of the clients that we'd been working with were very, very driven by energy savings. So they were looking at solar, in particular PV at the time, um, but they were looking at how they reduced their kind of their, their load on their on their property. So lighting was obviously a big thing. Um, so yeah, so we set that up. Um, that, that ran for a few times, but all the time in the background, I was kind of thinking, I want to get more into property. You know, I, I kind of missed the property side of it. Um, so yeah, four years ago, um, I decided to make the move and, and come into property full time. Um, invested quite quite a lot of time and, and money um, on uh, kind of property training courses uh, with, with one of the big providers. Um, obviously, learned a lot made a load of new contacts um, and, and, you know, really kind of built my network and, and obviously got involved and started, you know, started doing some property stuff. Um, and then really the, the kind of knock on from that was that, you know, I, I did, I did buy to let um, tenant buyers. I loved all the creative kind of stuff. So I was sort of bought into that in quite a big way, um, signed up to kind of a mentoring program for that. Um, and 
also took on some rent to SAs. Um, so I had some rent to SA units, which I never really wanted to manage myself. So I, I decided kind of from day one, that I didn't want to be a hotelier. I just did it really for the, for the bit of cash flow. Um, had someone running those for me. They kind of, you know, performed on you know different levels depending on, on, on where they were. Um, but all the time I could see that we were, I sort of looked at where my transferable skills were and obviously all the time that I spent working with house builders on big sites, it was it's always been kind of drummed into me about the health and safety and, and just the compliance side of it. Um, you know, I was, as I say, I used to do everything. So I used to win the contracts and then I used to have to go through the contracts. So I kind of acted as contracts manager and then project manager. So, you know, I was going through kind of JCT contracts with the house builders that were, you know, they were like Bibles, you know what I mean, where we were having to do all our health and safety risk assessments, method statements and that. So when I was in, when I actually got into property full time and I was, you know, going to a lot of these training courses, people weren't, didn't seem to understand about all this other stuff that they need to do. The training courses are great. Don't get me wrong. And, and they, you know, they teach you everything you need to know about how to stack the deal and, and work out, um, you know, whether an opportunity actually is a deal and, and working out the numbers, et cetera, and how to source them. But then I just felt there was a bit of a gap after that where people needed a little bit more support on the, as I say, the, like the compliance and the, the CDM, um, which is like kind of like health and safety regs that, that go sort of hand in hand with when you're running a project, whether it's a refurb or a, you know, a full-blown renovation or, or refurbishment um, or, or um, you know, conversion. So I also found there was a lot of people that came off the courses and they maybe didn't have a lot of kind of background or knowledge of, in how to kind of run the businesses or, or um, you know, just from an operational point of view. And again, kind of needed that support and handholding and accountability. Um, so that's kind of when I decided to start to start offering training and coaching and mentoring as well um, as part of the, you know, as part of one of the streams within the business. Um, so, yeah, that kind of kind of brings us to where, where I am today, I guess. It's great and uh, what's what's great for me is that's my world as well so i've done nebosh so i understand about cdm regs um iso compliant as well so i'm qualified in iso 9001 which is all your policies and procedures which is why i've invited you on here because i think you can add massive weight into trying to make people understand the importance of of getting these things so what when we when we break it down why is cdm regs important okay so so this is one of the things which and it, it sort of frustrates me quite a lot, and, it, and I find it quite quite um, worrying that um, basically any, uh, as the HSE deem it, so the health and safety executive, any property that isn't owned by yourself and lived in by you, yeah. So any other property, any type of investment property you have, any 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 property that you don't live in, is deemed as a commercial construction site. Right, and hardly, I'm going to stick my neck out and say hardly anybody knows that. A lot of people don't know that. Um, you know, when you look at how many thousands of people are, are, are sort of turning over doing property courses every year, um, th th there's just a massive, unfortunately, a massive gap in the market, um, which which I'm sort of quite passionate about making sure that people know this stuff. Um, now, what that means, a knock-on effect to that, because it's a commercial construction site, so even if you're just doing a five, you know, five grand 
tosh over refurb of a, of a property is still classed as a construction site and a commercial construction site. So what that means is that has to fall in line and comply with all the, the CDM um, regulations. So CDM stands for construction design and management. Um, so it's the, it's the health and safety requirements and regulations around running a building site in, in layman's terms. Um, and it's, I think when a lot of people hear health and safety, they get all scared, run a mile, think it's going to cost them a fortune and think it's like a really scary thing. Um, but it doesn't necessarily need to be. Um, I mean, it's a lot scarier if something goes wrong on site and you've not gone through the right processes, I'm going to show you. Um, so really, it's just about, I'm very, you know, my background is very kind of sort of just process and systems driven, really. Not, not you know, I'm not kind of obsessive about it, but, you know, I just try to simplify everything and just say, right, everything is a process. As long as you've got, you know, you know what boxes you need to tick, where and when, and what you need to do to tick them, that's that's kind of it, really, in a nutshell. Um, so, I, what I try to do is, I, I, I mean, I run, a, I do a day's training um, for people, which we is quite intense. It's, it's like a full day. We do it on Zoom, and I just try to cram everything as much as I can into it, in as much detail about the process is taking people right the way from doing a viewing to kind of try and identify all their defects on a property um, through to, you know, how to find builders and trades teams, you know, all the things you need to ask them, you know, the questions you need to, to ask to, to vet them, to make sure that they've got the right accreditations, insurances, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, one of the key, you know, I've got kind of these three key questions that I always say to people that you need to ask a builder before you take them on. You know, if you're serious about doing things the right way in, in construction and in um, in property investment, um, first thing is, you know, are they willing to work to CDM regulations? Um, now, they don't necessarily have to have done it in in previously, in, in my opinion, but they need to be happy to work to it and willing to work with you on that. Um, now, every builder should know what CDM is. If they don't, that's a little bit of a red flag, I think. I think yeah, definitely. But, but the thing is, you know, you know, again, because it's, oh, I mean, it's regulated. The industry is kind of regulated, isn't it, around CDM? But it's not. It's not the HSC, unfortunately, can't aren't able to enforce it um, strictly enough. I don't think. So you know, if if builders are out there doing um, jobs for domestic customers, you know, residential jobs, extensions, refurbs, wherever it might be. The responsibility of around the health and safety in the CDM falls to the builder. So the you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith don't, don't have any responsibility from a CDM point of view because they're not deemed to be experts. You know, they, they're not deemed to, to have to know what you know what they have to do. So the builder has to take that responsibility. And unfortunately, in a lot of cases, you know, not all the time, but in a lot of cases, I think because there's nobody breathing down their neck. They t- kind of take the chance. You know, they don't bother with the high vis. You know, they don't bother with all the PPE, etc. Um, and you know, quite often, you know, they kind of get away with it, and there's no issue. But I just think, you know, if if anybody that's in property and they're doing it properly, and you know, they they don't want to be cutting corners and they want to be Put it this way. So for me, when I'm talking to to people that I kind of work with, um, sort of coaching clients, mentees, etc., you know, I always say to them, if you're if you're documenting what you're doing on social media, which 
kind of most people should be doing really if you want to try and build your brand and you want to build awareness and you want to attract investors and all that kind of stuff if you're doing that you should be showing that you're doing things properly so i look at you know i see hundreds probably over the course of a year thousands of posts um where people are just not you know it's clear that they don't that they either don't know that they need to be doing this stuff or they know and they and they're not bothering but either way it worries me a little bit um and you know, I just say to people, you just need to know what your responsibilities are because if something goes wrong on that site, you know, someone's painting the ceiling, they fall off a stepladder, break their neck or, you know, whatever it might be, that is all going to come back to you as the investor, as the client who owns that site. Yeah, so whether whether you're an investor, a property investor, investing for yourself or whether you're a deal packager, and you've got an end client, an investor client that you're working on behalf of, whoever owns that site, so either you as the investor or the end client, investor client, will be ultimately responsible um, and the health and safety will come knocking on that person's door if there's a you know a major serious accident or an investigation, whatever it might be. So, you know, I just think it's it's really, you know, obviously it's important because it's, you know, it's regulation, it's, it's a requirement, but I just think it's really important within our kind of networks and our communities that people understand that this is what they need to do. Um, and from my point of view, you know, again, I say to this to people who come on the training course, if, if at the end of the day they decide they don't want to do it, they don't want to go that do that process and tick those boxes, you know, that's not – I've done what I can do. I've, I've, I've kind of hopefully informed you and educated on what you need to do. Um, from then on, it's kind of your choice to do whatever you want to do. But you know, just be warned that if something does go wrong, then then you know, HSC are not the sort of people you want to get on the wrong side of. No, definitely. Um, you know, they're, they're they're kind of like the Vat Man, aren't they? You don't, you know, they're the sort of people you definitely don't want knocking on your door and 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 having you as a marked person. Um. So. So yes, yeah, so that's kind that's kind of what what made me start doing it and and why I wanted to to make people aware because it's not a particularly difficult process you know it's as i say it is a process and it's, it's a checkbox exercise but it's not um you know it's, it's relatively straightforward um and simple it takes a little bit of time and a little bit of effort but not but huge amounts and from a cost point of view you know it's not that costly you know it's it's a lot of the onus you can put onto the the contractor which is why i say the first question is you know will you work to cdm rigs if you haven't before, do you know what they are? If you don't, I'll explain what they are. But will you agree to work to them? Because this is a commercial construction site. So their answer will either be yes or no. So for me, that's a very, a very kind of binary thing. If if they won't, then it's bye-bye and move on and find the next one. Um, the second thing I always say to them is, will you work to a contract? Will you work to a JCT contract? Now, doesn't necessarily have to be JCT, I guess. Um, JCT is kind of like the industry standard um, contract suite of documents, which you know, which has been around for decades, it's been tweaked and um, you know, and it's been tailored for the construction industry, so it's perfect. Um, again, if if they won't work to a contract, even if even if you don't work to a JCT, at least work to some form of a contract because you need to have something in place so that the builder knows what's expected of him, you know what's expected of you, and it's protect to protect both sides. Reference uh, point, isn't it? Reference point for both. Absolutely. The point yeah. each of the two. Yeah. Yeah. And, and kind of in between that is the specification of works, which is which is you know, kind of 
more a responsibility of the of the investor but you know get a really really detailed specification of works together of exactly what you expect that builder to be doing um together with your program of works and then that all kind of makes up it all goes together to make up your your contract document um and really it's 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 just kind of amazing how I know, I mean, I've had this conversation with builders where they just won't, they don't want to work to a contract. So again, that just sets, it's a massive red flag for me because why, why would you not want to? Because it's there to protect them as much as it is to protect us, the, the property investors. Because if we decide not to pay them, if that's written into the contract, they then they've got, um, you know, a course of action to, to you know, to obviously um, to, to recover that money. Um, so it's there for everyone's protection. Um, and then the third question I always uh, always say to people to ask is um, uh, references. You know, have you got reference sites that I can look at? Have you got a reference site at the moment that, you, that you're working on, at least one, really, that you can go and have a look? And, and you know, straight away you can tell a lot about how a, a builder or contractor works, whether they're the sort of person you want to be working with by, you know, the way they keep their site. Is it a nice, tidy site? You know, silly things like how do they load their skip? Is it all just like launched onto the skip, or is it all neatly packed away? Are they kind of optimizing it because, you know, typically if they're keeping a nice tidy skip and they're taking pride in their work, then generally speaking, and it is a generalization, but generally speaking, the, the work's going to be of a, a better quality. Um, now, obviously, that's only a kind of a bit of a guideline, so there's loads of other due diligence that people need to do, but. You know, those are kind of like the first three, if you like, the first stage filters. Because really, you know, if a contractor's not willing to work to a to a contract or is not willing to work to CDM regs, then straight away they're not somebody that you want to really be working with. If if you again, if you want to be doing your 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 development property or your your refer properly. Um so yeah, so that's you know, that's kind of CDM in a nutshell, or well. I say in a nutshell, there's a hell of a lot more to it, but you know that is the that's the fundamentals behind it on why you need to understand what it is and why you need to be implementing it. Because you know, if you, as I say, if you don't, then then things could go horribly wrong very quickly if if you get caught out. Um, you know, people have said to me before, oh, "Well, I've done it for years and I've never bothered with all that stuff." Well, to me, you know, that's not an excuse, and they're not gonna, you know, that's not gonna stand up in court if something goes wrong. And, you know, the more experienced you are and the more the more projects you're doing on an annual basis, just your law of averages is just increasing, isn't it? You know, if you're, if you're doing, if you're kind of playing at being an investor and you're doing one project a year, then, all right, yeah, you might get away with it for a while. But if you're doing, you know, if you're doing a dozen pro- projects a year, law of averages says over a period of time, something is going to happen. Um, and, and just because you've never had that stuff in place doesn't mean that it's um, you know it's, it's not going to not going to catch you out if it goes wrong. Um, so yeah, so that's um, that's the message that I want. I really want to try and get out to people is just to, to understand their responsibilities. I love it. I love it, and it's vitally important. Um, uh, so just to summary, to recap this, for me, I, I try to break this down into to three different factors as well. So I, I look at the moral, the legal, and then the financial. You need to do it. This is a regulation that the government set out that needs to be done. It's quite easily uh, obtained. You can find it online. So don't worry about finding it. Uh, I, I feel like what you said. I think, again, the community are unaware of it and scared of it. It is quite easily found and it's quite easily mitigated. 
by putting things in place, but it tells you what to do. So if anybody's struggling, um, I mean, they could contact me, but sure, contact Darren. Darren does these amazing um, courses, so contact Darren and, and get on one of the courses, um, and you'll thank, thank us for it afterwards. Because you don't want to injure anybody, you don't want to kill anybody. You then don't want to go to jail, definitely, um, or be prosecuted in some way and then and lose out, because then ultimately it's going to lose your business. It's going to lose everything. Uh, same with JCT contracts. Just just have a look. There's a there's plenty of them online. Um, and you can find these things out. You can just do a quick Google search. Uh, but again, speak to Darren. So yeah, I mean, I love what you're saying saying here. This is my street, having come th- from the background that I have done in health and safety. And this is exactly why I brought you on the on the podcast. This is going to add immense value to everybody and stop them from getting caught out. It, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. No, you need to know. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, and that is exactly it. That's never, never has that been truer in, in this case. It's, it's just people, you know, there's lots of, you know, as I say, I, I sort of class myself as being quite fortunate and obviously like yourself as well. And there's other people we know in the communities that have you know, come from similar backgrounds. And if you know about health and safety, you've been, you've been kind of indoctrinated into it. You, you kind of, you know, you get it. Um, you know, I, I would never ever, even before I started in property full-time, I'd never dream of going onto the site without, my, you know, at very minimum, my boots and a and high vis and a hard hat, because that's just what was drummed into me. You know, I couldn't go on a site to measure up for a kitchen unless I had all that gear on. Um, so yeah, it's just become second nature. But for people that haven't been exposed to that kind of background, it, it, it's just alien, and it's something that you know everyone can't, you know I think associates. If you've got a huge multi-million pound housing development or a big commercial, you know, development people kind of understand that that's, you know, you need your PPE to go on there. But I think most people, unfortunately, think that, oh, well, if if I'm just doing a, you know, if I'm just toshing over my two up, two down terrace house or, you know, whatever it might be, or doing my little HMO conversion, I don't need all that stuff. You know, and it's just, it's, it's equally as important for, for a project like that as it is for a, um, you know, for a, for a huge, um, let's say multi, multi-million pound development. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just it's just being aware of it all and just as I say, being aware of your responsibilities. Um, and as you say, there's there's a lot of free um uh, information available. I mean, obviously on my training, I you know, we deep dive into all this stuff in loads of detail. But you know, if you wanted to get a bit of an idea, there's something called the CDM Wizard, which is which is um an online tool by um by CITB, which is the construction industry training board, which is all part kind of part of HSE. Um, so if people just Google CDM Wizard, that that's kind of a free document where you can input all the information about your project and the builders and the subbies and all the rest of it, and it kind of spits out a, a risk assessment and method statement at the end, which everybody signs, and and that's that's one step towards compliance from a from a health and safety point of view. There's other things you need to do as well, but that's a good starting point. Um, yeah, and as you say, there's loads of I mean the HSE site. I think is quite complicated. You know, you go on it and it's very difficult to navigate, even if you kind of know what you're doing and you know what you're looking for. I find it quite difficult. Um, you know, whether they do that to, to purposely complicate it for people, I don't know, or whether it's just because there's so much information on there. Um, but, you know, I, I, I sort of look at things like the stats and, and you know, things like fines. And, you know, even for, for kind of like an SME business, I think it's up to, up to a million or two million pound turnover business. If you get something wrong and you get an investigation and you're and there's an offence, you know there's deemed to be an offence at a site. Um, I think the minimum just for a just for a fairly um, a relatively minor offence is like thirty grand. Well, 
you know, if you're doing a if you're doing a, a single let refurb, your profit on the job might be thirty grand if you're lucky. So so you know that's your profit wiped out on one job just because you've not you've not gone through that process. But anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're probably we're probably a little, a little laughing labored the point a little bit there we're like two old two old men just monking and moaning about it but yeah please everybody who's listening um just take take heed of it because it is it is really important don't get scared of it please don't get scared of it please just look into it slightly or just ask somebody and somebody will tell you how to do this um so yeah don't worry about it <clears throat> uh, so Further for your training as well, you offer quite a lot in your training. Um, it's not just about the regulations, is it? You talk about how to do a refurb and breaking it down into a process. And you mentioned earlier on, and it made me smile. So I was smiling because I wrote down some notes about you. There's a little bio for myself, and I read up to, to try for, for, for all the people that I have as guests. And I put down methodical and precise, and you more or less said the same thing. So I'm glad I, I picked up on that. And I, I think that's great because you offer methodical and precise um, training, really, uh, when it's broken down. And I've looked at the summary of what you break it down into. And again, yeah, I love it. Um, adding, adding value again, because not everybody can estimate or not everybody can understand what, what, what's required. Again, it's again, you, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. You need to know for the things that you're looking out for. Um, so I wanted you to to try and chat about that, if you wouldn't mind, without going too much into your training, because I know it's it's part of your bread and butter. But if you if you wouldn't mind, I think it add massive. Yeah, it's not that. I mean, it's not that. It's, it's as I say, it's more it's more about the, the time we've got. I think as much as anything, because I say you know the, the the training is like seven seven and a half eight hours, depending on. I, I try to keep it fairly small, for maximum of six people, so that people can jump on. It's online on Zoom, and then people can ask questions about their projects and we get enough time to spend with each other talking about it. But yeah, I mean, we go through, as I say, right the way from, from viewing, right the way through the, the, the actual project side, specifications is obviously a big thing because, you know, I'm very much, because I'm kind of systems and a lot of the stuff I've done is project delivery. I found quite often the hard way over the years that, you know, with any kind of project, whether and whether I think that goes, whether it's a, a refer project or whether it's, some other kind of project within a business you know it's not necessarily specific to property the more the more planning and preparation you do the more time you spend up front the easier the project goes all, all the projects that i've ever been involved in where we've kind of either you know i've either been bought in late in the process or you know it's just everything should be rushed and you kind of get into the project there's always some sort of a balls up further down the line Whereas if you if you spend you know loads and loads of time, make sure all of the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed, and it's got meticulous meticulous detail up front, then everything else tends to take care of itself. There's always going to be the odd little bump in the road, but generally speaking, things will will will, will take care of themselves. Um, so yes, yeah, so a lot of it about is about as I say specification of works, making sure you've got enough detail in there so that everybody knows you know so the builders know what they're quoting against, and so everyone knows what's expected of them. And then that then follows on into the whole the process of the of the refurb. So you know, just all the things you need to do. You know, software that I you know, I kind of recommend for for kind of project planning programming. Um, just and just the steps of the refurbs. Obviously, you've got your first fix, second fix. Um, we're, we're sorry, strip out first of all, first fix, second fix, and then on to your actual kind of 
um, snagging and the, the the dressing if you're going to dress the property up if you're doing you know, if you're doing HMOs or service accommodation obviously varies, um, but yeah, right just right the way through the process. And, and as I say, I'll try to break it down into as few simple steps with you know, forms and documentation. So again, going back through my professional life, I've always worked. Everything we've done has always been form driven. Um, you know, even before we were kind of very IT, you know, everything used to be done on faxes and all the rest of it, but we used to have, everything used to be formed. So at the end of every day, we'd have a like, kind of a, a, a target form that we used to work to, then a weekly form. Um, and, and I kind of carry that through into the, into the kind of um, the project process. You know, so every time there's a different stage, there's a different form for it, whether that might be a variation order form, if there's a variation to the contract or, you know, you've got snagging forms, and, and, you know, I like to keep everything simple. You know, stuff doesn't need to be overcomplicated. So these forms are not particularly complicated, you know, but they are part of the process, which if you if you keep it, you know, let's say for arms sake, you have a physical folder, you keep it all in your folder, every stage, you've got everything there that you need. Uh, and at the end of it, you'll come out with everything backed up and documented. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's probably the biggest, most important part is just trying to keep things as straightforward and simple as possible without trying to, without trying to overcomplicate it. Um, and it, you know, it tends to work most of the time. You know, there's always, as I say, there's always little blips here and there, but if you've got that structure in place to begin with, at least then it kind of takes care of itself. And you can always, if there is a little, if you know, something goes off at a bit of a tangent or there's a bit of an issue, you can rectify it and pull it back into the structure and then it's done. Um, so yeah, I think, um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a big part of my business. You know, I, I, I do it on projects that I work on and, um, you know, as I say, that's what I, that's what I try to help people to understand and, and put in place themselves on when, you know, when they come on the training. Um, prior, prior preparation prevents piss poor performance. Absolutely. All right, yeah. so over, eight, over 18, so you'll have to... Speak. As I say, I didn't want to say, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Past the watershed. <laughs> uh, yeah it is past the watershed but it doesn't matter if it's not because it should be just an adult so hopefully it goes down well we'll see what happens um might get a bad review i'll take it out we'll be all right all right run it uh yeah so i like i'm going to the six p's i'm not mentioning them again just in case i do get bad um some, somebody somebody doesn't like what my language but i think that's important and to get that in place because you want that in place so it goes smoothly and then if it's if you're following something that's going along a track or a set process, and then if it starts to go wrong, then you can react a little bit better to change. Yeah. So I like it. And that's why I love, love what you offer. Um, so you, you mentioned, are you linking it back? Have you, have you developed these over the, the projects that you've done in the past then? Yeah. I mean, part of it, part of it is, is stuff that paperwork, for example, and processes that I had in place in previous projects. Yeah. Because as I say, a project is a project, whether it's whether you're developing a full refurb, um, you know, going back to my kitchen days, you know, we used to have to deliver a project, um, you know, when we did solar, we had to deliver a project, um, you know, whatever, whatever industry that was in or whatever product you're, you're, you're delivering into the end customer, it's still a project. Um, so yeah, a lot of it is stuff that I've kind of tweaked and, and honed over 15, 16 years, as I say, um, and even prior to that, you know, when I was in, I was kind of in direct sales, and a lot of the stuff that we did was kind of target driven. Um, so again, there was forms and processes for that. So it's all just stuff that I've 
I've built up over the years. Um, it's some stuff that I've that I've taken from uh, you know other trainings that I've been on that I've thought was useful, and I've, yeah, I've just kind of tweaked it to to kind of make it work for me really. Um, uh, and you know, as I say, what I try and share with people is you know, that this, you know this is what I use. This is how I do it. You haven't got to do it like that. You know, it's not the only way to do it, but that's what I do. That's what works for me. Try it, and if it works for you, then brilliant. If it doesn't, then don't use it. Do you know what I mean? It's you know, every, at the end of the day, everybody's different. Everybody has a different way of working. Everyone's got different kind of um, you know, kind of mindset and values and all the rest of it. So you know, some people are more visual than other people. You know, some people like lists. Some people like more visual represent representations of stuff. Um, it's just you know, different things work for different people at the end of the day. It's a good um, reference point to start, though, isn't it? Yeah, because like what we said. We keep mentioning it. You don't know what you don't know. Um, sometimes this might prompt you to know what you need to know. Um, good start point, and then just adapt it. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, and it'll add to any any project. <clears throat> Going back to what you've achieved then in the past, um, we sort of skipped over it earlier. So, what have you found tough over the last the last say COVID era? Because it has been a bit tough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we've all had challenges, haven't we? I think, I don't, I think, um, I don't think there's many people that haven't um, that, that haven't sort of found it challenging in one way or another. Um, I mean, for me, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I had some um, some rent to SA units. A couple of those didn't perform very well. I, mean, I was lucky, um, you know, I didn't lose fortunes on it, but didn't really make any money on on a couple of them. Um, and it just got to a point where they were they were kind of just bit of a millstone around the neck really and I just thought right we'll just cut our losses on that so so they went um which as I say didn't you know wasn't a major it was more of an ego thing if I'm honest because you know it's the old thing isn't it you like to say how many you've got um not, not that I had loads you know but I, I had a fairly modest portfolio but um you know it's, it's that kind of battle in it you don't want to give them back because you feel like you're going backwards but in real terms you know i wasn't because i wasn't earning anything on it anyway and it was just it was just aggravation and a, and a risk hanging there um so they went back um same as everybody else i think you know the, the market generally was quite challenging from a you know obviously um prices kind of escalated um you know obviously it was difficult to do viewings in the in the very very first part of, of covid when it all broke and and when we had the lockdown etc and then even when it when it eased up you know it was, it was more difficult from that, that point of view um i mean i've got kind of strategic partners or a couple of strategic partners around around the country that we kind of always in, in communication looking at stuff and if any opportunity comes up we're always kind of looking to do stuff together um and that just got very very difficult because you know in those areas they were finding exactly the same issues that i was finding locally and you know supply was down demand was up you know obviously we had the stamp duty holiday which obviously escalated everything and and accelerated um the price increases um so yeah i mean it's just but i think it's just one of those things you can't you can't sort of moan and kind of get too down about it because it's just it's what it is and you've got to roll with the punches and and just adapt and and try and find kind of a way around it and 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 to be fair it it kind of it, it helped me in a way because Prior to COVID, I was doing my um, so my project delivery masterclass, which is what I call it, um, which is the one day training. I was doing that face to face previously. I'd been doing it probably for I don't know six months or so before COVID even was on the horizon, um, and I was sort of driving all around the country and you know 
people were obviously paying me, uh, you know, for me to go and, you know, in some cases I was sort of driving five hours up, 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 up to the north and sort of staying in a hotel overnight, doing a day's training room, driving home. So obviously the cost was, you know, you know it wasn't cheap. Um, but people were paying it because they were getting value from it. And then obviously when, when lockdown happened and obviously everything went on to Zoom, I thought, right, okay, I've got to reassess this because I can't, obviously can't go out and see people. Um, so I just decided to bring it on. I don't know why I hadn't done it before, really, but I just decided to bring it all online. Um, and obviously that was good in the sense that I could obviously reduce the price pretty significantly because obviously I had, I had very few overheads. It's just my time, really, for delivering it. Um, and obviously more people could jump on at one time and, you know, we could sort of get a little bit of a kind of a community going on it. Um, so, so from that point of view, you know, although it was a challenging time, you know, something good came out of it, I guess, um, you know, and, and I managed to kind of, you know, I hate using the word pivot, but, you know, just, you just, just adapt really and, ch- and, and change how I, how I was sort of delivering it. Um, and from that, I kind of got more into, um, I sort of paid for some kind of training and mentoring on kind of digital marketing and all that kind of stuff as well, because obviously I could see that, you know, the online space was going to be more, um, more kind of prominent, certainly for, for in the immediate future. Um, so yeah, it just kind of forced me to, to get more, more digital, if you like. Um, but yeah, so, so, so yeah, I mean, going back to your original question, um, was kind of what challenges from a property point of view. Yeah, it, it was a bit more challenging. There was uh, less supply. Um, so, you know, if I'm honest, didn't do too much, except I, I did have one project, luckily enough, which I'd taken on before, um, before COVID started before covid sort of came on the scene um where i was all the stuff that i teach people on the training i was doing for another client so somebody that i'd met probably well coming on for probably three years ago now at a networking event um we got on fairly well we exchanged cards we had a couple of beers in between and i got a phone call out of the blue saying um look we've got this project we've taken on we don't know really, we haven't really got the time to deal with it. We're not really experienced enough to deal with it. And we just don't want to do the, the day-to-day running of the of the project delivery. Would you be interested in doing it for us? Um, so I said, yeah, great, let's have a look at it. And it turned out it was literally on my doorstep. It was five minutes from my house. Um, so, you know, it was, it was lovely and local. And I just acted as, uh, you know, going back to the CDM, within the, within the CDM hierarchy, you've kind of got three kind of main um sections you've got the client you've got the um principal designer and you've got the principal contractor so i i basically acted as a principal designer on this particular project so i took care of all the specification of works i found i went through the tendering process found all the professional services so the architect and the structural engineer and the, you know the, the um all the asbestos um surveyors and all that kind of stuff went out to tender found the main contractor and then I just oversaw the project and made sure that it was delivered to the correct timelines. And as we'd all agreed with the contract, et cetera. Um, so that was a really, really successful project. That was a, um, a, a conversion of a, uh, it was a three bed masonette above a shop in my local high street to two one bed flats. It was quite challenging. It, lo- it looked like the simplest job in the world when we started it, but it turned out that it was quite a complex project with quite a few challenges. Um, but yeah, we got through it, and and, be, and you know, again, going back to what I said, because we had that kind of timeline project structure in place. Every time there was a curveball, we managed to get over it, deal with it, and get back on track straight away, pretty much. Um, so yeah, so I kept you know 
the upshot is I kept busy all the way through the COVID um, period and um, yeah, just, but just, just changed slightly what I was focusing on um, going forward. You know, I'm now, I'm involved in a, in a new build at the moment, which is something that I want to be doing. You know, it's always been my, my goal long-term, even from like four years ago when I attended my first property training course, I always knew that ultimately I wanted to be doing new builds because that was the environment I'd been working in for the last 16 years. Um, so I've been kind of studying and trying to get my head around kind of modern methods of construction in particular, um, something called ICF, which is um, insulated concrete forms. And what that is, it's, it's basically it's polystyrene. It's like a, it's like a Lego. If you like a hollow Lego and you build it all together, it's all kind of um, dry construction. You just block it all together. And then at the end of it, once it's all built, you just, this is obviously the simplified, simplified version of it. You just pour, pour concrete into the cavity and it creates a monolithic solid structure with insulation inside and out. Um, very, very quick to build, very highly efficient, um, great acoustic um, insulation. Um, and it kind of ties in with my my background of when I was doing, when, you know, when I got into kind of the renewable energy and I was doing a lot of solar and heat pumps and then moving on to the LED, I became very kind of conscious of energy efficiency and energy saving technology and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, something I'm, I'm very passionate about as well is, is getting into and building um, eco homes and, and just, you know, properties that are going to be fit for purpose, um, you know, with stuff like the energy prices all going skyward at the moment you know that 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 is, is potentially quite scary i think for the you know for the community as a whole um and you know if we can if we can get into the habit and get into the process of building very thermally efficient and, and, and you know good quality homes then um then that's certainly something i want to be a part of um so as i say i'm involved at the moment of a with a self-build where i'm helping somebody out on their on their project um just to really get a bit of hands-on experience i've been looking at this product for about two years and i've been to quite a few sites but this is the first time i've managed to properly get hands-on with it and understand all the you know the cons as well as the pros because you know a lot of people banned um the benefits about and not so much the things to to look out for and to to kind of avoid um so i'm doing that at the moment which is great and and going forward looking looking you know looking at finding some plots of land where um, where we can kind of roll this out and, and you know build, you know, start to scale the business up really, start small and then just scale up over time. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just in a process at the moment of kind of trying to find a trying to find the land. So talking to um, talking to any sources that are out there that that kind of understand the due diligence on how to stack a new build site. Um, and also, I'm just going through the process really of trying to attract investors for for that as well who who might want to get involved on um, on kind of working with us on it um so yes that kind of, that's kind of where i'm at as of today um just looking looking forward to, the, to what next year brings really yeah that's amazing uh, i have been watching online um what you've been doing it's, it looks pretty good so it looks good that you're going down that route um and it's good that you know about all the different or the alternatives to energy sources which like what, like what you mentioned the way that they go in the prices and the way that government's pushing it um, I think it's the right way to go. And is it is that something that you just think, right, that's it now? Because you, you've you've been in quite a few what we call categories. So like your SA, your buy to lets and so on, commercial conversions. And then now this is, well, it's it's more than developing land, I would say, because it's looking at 
developing yeah. land, but doing it in an eco-friendly manner. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as I say, the stuff that I've done over the last four years has been kind of, I suppose, for want of a better phrase, sort of a means to an end. You know, I've kind of always known that I wanted that ultimately I wanted to get involved in, in developments. But, you know, four years ago, I thought, well, that's, you know, I can't afford to be getting distracted with that and looking at stuff like that because, you know, I needed, you know, I needed cash flow there and then, really. Um, so, you know, I need to be doing something which was, you know, you know, which was moving me forward, sort of smaller, smaller steps, if you like. Um, and as I say, sort of a year or so ago, probably, I got to a stage where I, 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 I felt like I'd built my network well enough. I was getting to know, you know, it takes me quite a long time to get to know people and trust people and, and all that kind of stuff. But obviously, you're able to do that to a certain extent on social media, which is great. Um you know, and I just felt like I, it was it was my time, and I, I was as I was getting more heavily involved with some of these, you know, with the with the project delivery side of it for other clients as well. Um, it just seemed like a natural progression, and the time just seemed right. Um, so as I say, you know, I, you know, hands up, I've not I've not found that site yet. You know, I've we've looked at a few sites myself and strategic partners, and I've looked at a couple myself on my own, um, and I just can't quite get the numbers to stack yet. But you know, it's like anything in property, isn't it? It's a numbers game, and you just got to keep. You know, you just stick to your numbers, keep plugging away at it, and eventually the right the right thing will come up. Um, you know, I've got a couple of investors I've been speaking to who've um, kind of expressed interest in doing something when we find the right site. Um, but obviously, different you know various various sizes of, of funding investment. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just it's just keep keep plugging away at it really. Um, but yeah, I would like to. You know, I'd always like to have or to build a little bit of a portfolio sitting in the background, I think, because, um, you know, just from a you know, legacy point of view for, for family and all the rest of it, I just think that's quite a nice thing to have. Um, but sort of fairly recently, I've been thinking about, you know, kind of going down the build to rent route. You know, if, I, if, we, if we can find something that's, you know, the land is in the right place and we can strike up some sort of a deal with, you know, whoever it might, whether we do private rental, whether we do it through a housing association or, or you know, social housing, something like that. Um, but, you know, I think it'd be quite nice to have, to, to be able to build something out that you know is quality and you know it's energy efficient and then hand it over to the rental sector to, to you know, and, and keep hold of that. That would, I think, appeal to me more than, um, you know, than just, Trying to buy loads of, as I say, two up, two downs, which I must say, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, don't don't get me wrong, but for me, it's just a lot of um, time and management, and and you know, for me to, to just to build something and and have a block that we hand over or a, a row of houses that we hand over just feels more appealing. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something I'd, I want to kind of pursue going forward as well, really. Yeah, and I think it's where your heart lies, isn't it? So if you wanted to do that, that's why you should do it. And, and if people want to do the two up, two down, they do the two up, two down. But I think it's it's important to notice what you mentioned earlier, and that I think it's the rites of passage to get to, 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 to doing the biggest stuff that you want to do. Sometimes you've got to do the stuff that you necessarily wouldn't have done, um, just purely to build up your, your expertise and, and get in the game and understand it and get cash flow and then work around and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And yeah. um and the power of networking. So getting your partners, your strategic partners. I know you said you don't really like to open up too much to people. You, it takes you a long time to trust, but power of networking, that's phenomenal. And that that's what I love about this game as well. Um, 
is getting out to these networks. I mean, do you go out much? And I haven't been, if I'm honest, for yeah, really since all the COVID stuff started. Just obviously, you know, at that time we weren't able to get out, um, and I haven't done too much recently. But I, you know, I do online networking. Um, I mean, prior to that, I used to do you know quite a lot of networking every month. I used to I say quite a lot. I used to go out to sort of two or three meets a month. Um, which is important, but I just think, you know, over, I mean, I'm a, I'm a massive, as you know, I'm a massive advocate of social media because I just think you can, you know, for me, I, I just feel I can spend two or three hours on social media and I can probably get to know people. If I, if I put my mind to it, I can get to know 10 times more people than if I spent two hours at a networking event. Do you know what I mean? And you haven't, so, so for me, for, for speed of, of, building those relationships. And then obviously, you know, once you've built your online relationship, then you obviously go and meet people in person, don't you? And you you kind of cement that and, uh, and, and follow it up to the next stage. But I just think, you know, social media is so powerful. You've always got, you know, you know we, we, we're lucky because we've got our own TV stations at our fingertips, our own media stations at our fingertips. And if you, and it's all free. You know, Facebook, whether it's your profile or whether you've got a Facebook group or whether you've got a page, you know, if you're on LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, if that's your thing. Um, you know, there's so many different platforms now. If you put the energy and the effort into to getting yourself out there, especially if you do videos and stuff like that, you know, people can really get the measure of you and they can they can understand what you're all about. They get to understand your values. Um you know, and, and not everybody's going to like you. And that's just one of those things, you know, there's, you know, if 50%, you know, if you've got an audience of a thousand people, 50% of them might really like you. 50% of them might think you're an idiot. But for me, that doesn't really matter because those 500 that do like me, if I can nurture those people and, and, you know, they, you know, I get to know them, then that's to me, that's a great audience. That's a great community and a good collection of people, network of people. Um, you know, life life is life and people are not gonna, you know, some people are not gonna gel with you and just not gonna like you. Um, you know, I'm sure there's people out there that that sort of see my my videos and listen to me when I have a rant or when I go on about something and just think I'm think I'm a I'm an idiot. But you know, I don't care. It's it's just one of those things because I know there's a lot of people out there that are getting value from it um yeah i think your rants are good because it's not just a rant it's a rant but explaining what's happened and why it's happened and then what you're going to do about it or what you've done so sometimes you you run after you've done something and I, and I love a good rant it is good yeah I don't, when i'm when i'm doing it though when i'm ranting i do think oh do people really want to listen to this but then i, I you know i watch i watch other people on social media obviously you know you and I have both done stuff with progressive property, and obviously Rob Rob Moore's out there, and he, you know, some of his rants, mine are nothing compared with his. So, so you've got you've got a couple of communities, haven't you? Now I'm part of two of them, um, and I think they're pretty good, uh, open and honest communities, and I think they add a lot of value. You've got a lot of people in there that do care about giving something back. Um, but listening to what you just said, I think that's just fostered from what you've created. So am I all right to say the names of them? Because I think it would add value to anybody that wants to start joining communities to ask the question or to, to get a bit of inspiration, get a bit of motivation, stand side yeah. by side other people that are in there. Yeah, that'd be great. Or, or, or do you want to? In fact, yeah, you, you might come back from yourself. 
Okay, well, I've got so so yeah. So the two the two groups that I run on Facebook um, or, or admin on Facebook are one of them is my group, which is called uh, When the Property Training Ends. Um, so yeah, if you just if you just type that into Facebook, that'll come up as, as a group. Um, and the other one is the Entrepreneurs in Property Community, which is something that we set up. Blimey, um, about nine months ago now, I think nine ten months ago, uh, and it's fundamentally it's a panel of i think it's 12 of us now and we're all kind of specialists within our own little field within property so obviously there's me i cover the kind of business operations and, and project side of it um we've got someone in there who is uh, claire who, who's who, who actually set the group up she um, has an asset finance um business and she's also just qualified as a mortgage broker we've got a couple of sa guys in there we've got a, a couple in there who um, own a company that specializes in social housing and supported living um, who are doing some fantastic things uh, we've got a guy there who does um sas he's a sas um trustee um so it's all pensions all that kind of stuff um i'm gonna miss people out here but um we've got a lady who, who specializes in kind of lease options assisted sales all that kind of stuff the creative stuff uh we've got another lady who, who's all about compliance for sources um so she kind of covers the the importance of the if you like the paper I, I, I don't like saying it like that because it kind of belittles it a little bit but the paperwork side of it so making sure that you've got all your boxes ticked around the redress and your you know the anti-money laundering um and then obviously I, I cover the more the more practical compliance side um so yeah so as i say there's there's, there's 10 12 of us in there and yes yeah, so we, we run the group we've got a facebook group we also do um a a live, if you call it a live Zoom networking meeting every other Friday. Um, and at the moment, we get we get probably anywhere between thirty-five and fifty people um, on a on a on a Zoom, which is pretty good going, I think, for a, for a Friday night. Um, but obviously, we're always looking to build that and get more people involved. Um, and, and yeah, we basically we give up we give up our time once every couple of weeks, as I say. Um, we you know, one of us normally does a little presentation, then we have a guest speaker, and then we have breakout rooms. So if someone if someone's got a particular burning question for one of the specialists they can come jump into a breakout room with them and and i have a little bit of you know sometimes it's one-to-one -one time or sometimes it might just be sort of two three people in there um but it's quite nice because as i say we, we can sort of give people the the opportunity to come and ask questions you know and we don't you know let's be honest we don't always know every answer to every question i like to think we cover most of it um but between us, we're all very well connected as well. So if there's ever any a question that comes up that we don't know the answer to, we know exactly where to go to, to get the answer. Um, so yeah, it's just a power of power of loads of people together, really. Um, yeah, power of growth, yeah. growth, isn't it? Yeah. I love it. Uh, yeah. And it is the power of bringing everyone together. Yeah, 100%. That's why I love this community, because when I say this community, the community that I've fallen into, there seems to be a few little break off ones so your community there's a few other ones that i've got as well that i think they're just amazing because people just want to help each other they're not yeah. trying to get one over on you they just want to help you grow uh, happy to offer advice uh, and that's why i love both of your groups that you're, you're involved in yeah i was gonna you know we try to give, we try to give as much information away as we can you know for free you know at some point you know obviously we, you know a lot of us have kind of our training you know businesses or coaching businesses so you know at some point um you know you know we need to kind of monetize that a little bit but you know we're not 
we're not salesy. You know, we don't, we don't, we're not hitting people for, you know, with sales pitches all the time. You know, it is all about trying to build that community and share that knowledge and, and try and, you know, try and bring everyone together. Um, so yeah, you know, we, we try and do as much as we can to, to, to help everyone along the way, really. Which is good. And I think it's inevitable to go that way that you're going to end up having to pay, uh, get, get people to pay. And that's purely because it's taking your time. So yes, you're doing it for free now, but it's, it's what you value in the future. And it's all the foundations that you're setting up to set up as a business. So again, yeah. people can't know if they have to pay because the value that, that is added in these groups is, is phenomenal. Um, so yeah, that's, great. That's certainly what we try to achieve anyway. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, right. Um, thank you for being on my podcast. Um, this is, this is going to add value to a lot of people. If people want to contact you, are they able to contact you? Yeah, so as I've probably alluded to, I'm I'm <laughs> I like to think I'm everywhere on social media, but um, certainly on Facebook, um, you, you know, you'll find me on Facebook. I've got a profile. I've got you know, I've got a couple of um, Facebook pages. My, my companies, I've got two companies. One is Taurus Project Solutions, and one is Taurus Property Group. So you can find me on either of those, or just search up you know Darren Burrows, and that that will bring you through. Uh, as I say, Facebook groups when the property training ends and entrepreneurs in property community. Um, you'll find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm you know, pretty active on LinkedIn. I try to post most days there. Um, it's just about my journey and what I'm doing. Uh, again, you know, just search up Darren Burrows and, and that will take you through. Um, and I've also, you know, I've got Instagram and TikTok accounts as well, if that's your thing. Um, but um, I'm, I'm less active on those, if I'm honest. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, by all means, you know, anybody, if anybody's got any questions or, or wants to reach out and, and kind of get in touch, then, um, then sort of DM me through, through any of those, uh, through any of those platforms would be fantastic. Well, what I'll do is I'll, um, I'll pop a link uh, and I'll tag you into the post that I do on LinkedIn on Facebook. Uh, and then I'll put the names as well, just to make sure that people can find, find yeah, you. Right. Well, again, yeah, thank you for being on my show. I really appreciate it. One final question is what is your bright skies? So, I mean, everything I am, everything I do, everything I am doing, um, and, and I'm looking to do going forward is is really for for family, my kids. You know, I've got two kids. Um, I've got a, a boy who's eleven. Uh, I've got a girl who's fifteen, and obviously my wife. And and you know, just trying to you know build a, a bit of a legacy um, future for them. You know, I, I just want to probably similar to a lot of other people, I guess, um, but. You know, it's just about creating, you know, creating a future for them, which means that they're going to be, they're going to have a more stable life going forward. Um, you know, my boy, as it happens, my my, you know, my business is Taurus, my star sign is Taurus, my boys are Taurus as well. He he shows a bit of interest in coming into the business. Obviously, he's quite young at the moment still, but you know, it'd be great for me if he, you know, if, if he came into the business uh, at some point in the future. Um, and, and yeah, it's, as I say, it's just all about building that, building that legacy and building that kind of security, really, I guess. Yeah, great. Yeah, and I, you're definitely on the way to that. And I hope your boy does it. I hope he comes and jumps, jumps into the family business. Yeah, it'd be amazing if he did. Real. Right. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bye. Cheers, mate. Thank you for listening to the Brightest Guys podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. To find out more about the work that Gary does, please visit his website, brighterskiesproperties.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave a rating and review on the platform where you heard it. Thanks for listening. 
and see you next time.